say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Hello and welcome to Premier League Insights for, well, game week 36 proper. And we did have some midweek games, didn't we, to talk about. It's me, James Gregg, with Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal. And we did a little mini pod just rounding up this sort of midweek flurry of games that we've just seen. And, well, it was, there was quite a lot happened, Jake. I'll be honest, I didn't expect that much to happen. And, um, I mean, we did talk extensively about putting ourselves in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's shoes ahead of, well, two games in two, three days and three games in five days for them. And actually, you were absolutely on the nose about what he was going to do with his starting lineup against Leicester, who's obviously going to prefer the Liverpool game. I mean, half of it he got right. But, um, you know, there we go. I mean, we, we had some we had some decent success, I suppose, from some of it, didn't we? On the overs. In the Liverpool uh, in the Leicester Manchester United game. What else did we have, Jake? Can you can you uh, just take us back before we get going on this week? Yeah, we were on the unders in Chelsea Arsenal. We did side with Chelsea as well, but uh, unders was a, a I think a bigger price around one point eight if I remember. Um, yeah, Everton plus naught on the Asian handicap. That was a money back on Thursday as well. Uh, yeah, I think I believe it might have been on Southampton as well to beat yeah. Palace. Um, uh, uh, odds against price, so it it wasn't it wasn't the best midweek, but um, yeah, Man United had a worse one, didn't they? Losing twice at home, scoring, <laughs> conceding six times in the space of two days. Yeah, that wasn't great for them. wasn't great. However, some of the younger players, Greenwood and Ahmad as well, looked brilliant in midweek in, on that Tuesday night game against Leicester City. But anyway, the midweek is done. We've got a bumper week to preview. So. Hunters, get your pens at the ready and get on pinnacle.com. Open your InfoGoal model up as well, infogoal.net, to just see what we're on about in terms of expected goals and stuff. I'm actually just looking ahead at some of the odds and we'd written down, hadn't we, some of the odds prior to this weekend ahead of the midweek matches and they've barely shifted actually. Nothing really seems to have changed on the betting market, but we'll go through some of that very shortly. Um, as ever, we're going to preview a handful of select games and then just go through any notables at the end. And also just to direct you towards pinnacle.betting on Instagram and also the website and the Twitter as well, at pinnacle on Twitter and um, infogoal.net for your model. And you are all set to go. Right, let's get things going. Friday night in the Premier League sees the crowned Premier League champions, Manchester City, travelling to Newcastle. Well, a win would have sealed it for City, but as it turned out, Manchester United did that job for them on Tuesday night at Old Trafford by losing to Leicester. The shackles will very much be off now, Jake. I'm sure they would have been anyway, because we were talking about how certain that we were that we were going to win the Premier League. I mean, there were streets ahead, weren't they? It was a matter of when, not if. However, um, will Sergio Aguero get another start? Is that what we're looking at? These are the types of things that we could see now. Now that City have got that trophy. They've obviously got a Champions League final to think about. I can only see one winner here, but it's just what are we going for? 
Yeah, you're right, really. I don't really see Newcastle getting a victory in this. Um, they've shown in recent weeks that they're more than capable of scoring, though, and that's that's my angle, really, in this one. Um, in particular, creating chances hasn't been an issue whatsoever. We saw them tear Leicester apart last week, racking up over three expected goals for the second time in six matches, which is not something you'd, you'd thought you'd say along with Newcastle um, in a sentence, but... Yeah, they've really stepped on the gas from an attacking standpoint. The only issue now is that Callum Wilson's obviously been ruled out for the rest of the season and he's their, you know, their main goal getter, if you like. They've got the creative players in and around to, you know, create those chances, the likes of St. Maximan and Almiron. But it is usually Wilson that sticks it in the back of the net. And when he's not around, um, you know, the goals do tend to dry up. So yeah, still, I still think that Newcastle, um, have created enough and do look like they're playing more on the front foot enough to, to get a goal against Manchester City. So I'd be looking at both teams to score um, around two, about 1.91. Oh, Ooh. go on, you've got a price there. Yeah, 2.02, which is not yeah. bad on Pinnacle. Both teams no, that's to score. Excellent. Yeah, that's an excellent price. And I you mentioned you Wilson. Did. What about Willock? Willock scored 5 in 11. Yes, yeah, he's... Uh, <laughs> I think he's, <laughs> he's, he's on fire at the moment. And I think it's... I read somewhere that if you... If he was at Arsenal with his five goals, he'd be the second top scorer or something along those lines this season. Wow. Um, so, or maybe the top down left in Aubameyang. But um, yeah, it shows you the sort of levels that he's, he's putting up. And most of the goals have come off the bench as well, which shows a, a real adaptability um, to you know the game situation. But yeah, the, the models making both teams to score around a one point eight eight shot. So anything above that to me is a value bet. And Manchester City, obviously, they, they went through a long period of time in this season looking impenetrable. But recent weeks, that that has um, you know that that cloak of solidity has, has slowly disappeared, and, and they are, are starting to look a bit more vulnerable. And like you said, attentions are going to be towards the Champions League final. Cotton Wool will be out for the likes of De Bruyne and Foden, I imagine. Um, three games left to play playing obviously I think three games in, in a week and then a week after is the Champions League final so four games in two weeks is still quite a tough schedule and uh, yeah I, I can see Manchester City just coasting in this game winning maybe 2-1 but the value for me really is with, with both teams to score and, and you know we, we heard Pep's comments in midweek about him going out on the lash and we don't know if that applied to all the Manchester City squad so if, if you do think that Manchester City will be slightly hungover um, and maybe not quite at it then Newcastle you can get a decent price on them plus one and a half on the Asian handicaps. So that's 2.11. So that basically means if Newcastle avoid defeat by um, two goals or more, then we, we get a winner. Won't put anyone off backing that one personally. I think Newcastle can be fairly competitive. Love to see that. Well, that's where the money lies. That's where the value lies. That's how you can get the edge if you're listening to the Premier League Insights podcast. Now, we've got a game on Saturday that probably wouldn't usually be one that you clear your diary for. But Brighton against West Ham at 8 o'clock. Brighton are at 2.6. West Ham are at 3.54. And a draw is 2.5. Info goals analyst verdict is Brighton to win. 51% chance that Brighton win with info goal. Explain this to me, Jake, because I'm absolutely baffled by it. West Ham flying, sailing high in the table. Why are Brighton the favourites to win? Um, simply the better team. Um, and I've just, um, I've just rerun the model and it's 43% chance of a Brighton win now. So, um, since, you know, since last week, there's been a little bit of a adjustment made and, um, we're still making them really strong value bet. 
Um, they, they are the better team. They're the team with a better process of the two. I've been saying it all season long on this podcast that they're in a false position. Um, they shouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone um, or shouldn't have anyway. They're safe at the, um, after last week, but they shouldn't be anywhere near it. They, they're fifth in our expected goals table, our Brighton, um, with an expected goal difference that's better than the likes of Leicester, Arsenal, Villa, West Ham, um, and not too far behind Manchester United. So, yeah, there's a lot to like about uh, both of these teams. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoyed watching West Ham this season, but you say they're informed. They've lost three of the last four matches, West Ham, um, and they are starting. You know, two of those they, they failed to score, and that had been their, you know, the, the, the part of the game they've been heavily reliant on because the defence has been extremely vulnerable in that stretch as well. Um, the only reason why they were getting so many wins when they were only three-two is because they were creating chances and scoring goals, um, and that's dried up, which means that they're going to start losing matches. Now, obviously, the caveat to this, and the, probably the reason why West Ham are favourites at the Amex, is because of the need factor that they usually get at the end of the season. West Ham need to win to get into into Europe. Brighton don't; they're not playing for anything. Um, so that's definitely played into the price. And, and to be honest, I, I think that we could really get some, uh, you know, snap some value up. I think Brighton, if I remember rightly, they finished last season really strong, even, even after they'd, um, secured safety, just because of the way in which they play. Yeah. They, they, you know, they drew at Southampton. They beat Burnley on the final day. Um, yeah, I, I just think the price is all wrong with this one. Do you think um, that actually Graham Potter, and this is nothing really to do with this weekend, but I'm just thinking for our listeners who are perhaps wanting to get a bit of an edge, Graham Potter, all he needs to do is make his find strikers who are more clinical or make his strikers that he's got more clinical. What is it? Because next season, surely if they can keep those expected goals and goal difference numbers and statistics as they are, they're going to finish way higher than where, they, where they've done the last couple of seasons because surely there's so much potential there that they're waiting to unlock. And then we compare it to Everton that we've talked about on this podcast, who actually have got no right to be anywhere near the, where they are in the table. So is it is it a case of just unlocking some finishing or what is it? I don't, I can't try to work it out. But if you're a listener to this podcast, is there some potentially is there some value in Brighton performing better next season? Yeah. The- for me, anyway, absolutely. But the key for that is they've got to keep hold of Graham Potter. If Graham Potter leaves, then I'd be a little bit worried because, I mean, essentially, it's a very average group of players that he's got there at Brighton. There's, there's not many big name players, not many stars. Um, and, you know, they, they, if you looked at the squad pre season, you probably would say that they are where they deserve to be. But the way in which they play, the way in the process in terms of the chance creation, the chance limitation has them as a top six team. And I think for that, Potter deserves a lot of credit. Um, he has been let down by poor finishing. They've, they've underscored by around 18 goals compared to what, what we would expect them to this season, which is a staggering number, really. Um, and, you know, defensively, they, they've been extremely solid. Only only Manchester City and Chelsea have, uh, have got a better defensive process than Brighton, which is staggering, really, when you wow. think about it. Um, and, yeah, it, it just is a matter of, of taking the chances, which is something they've really struggled with this season. They struggled with it last season as well. Um, it, it, you know, and it does just sort of bang home that argument that you need a clinical finisher at this level. Um, and if they had a clinical finisher, for example, if they had Harry Kane, it wouldn't happen, obviously. But if they had yeah. Harry Kane, they would probably finish in top half at the very least because he is just ultra clinical when it comes to taking chances. And the likes of Neil Morpai, 
um, Pascal Gross, Leandro Trossard, they've all missed some really key chances yeah. at key moments. And um, that is ultimately what's, what's, you know, the difference between them having a relegation fight and a, and a, and a battle for Europe. So, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in the summer. If I was Brighton, I would be going and signing a, a striker. Absolutely. 100%. Everything else is, the, is, is great. The defence, you've got a nice balance back there with, um, you know, the likes of Ben White, Lewis Dunk. You've got Tariq Lamptey, who's not played for the last three or four months, who looked really good in the start of the season. Solly Martin, the left wing back, who looked, who looked good as well. The midfield, Eve Basuma, can he keep hold of him? That's the next question. Uh, and then you have got your, you know, your rotation of a, of a front three, if you like, of Morpai, Welbeck, Trossard, that just needs that little bit, um, needs to be a little bit more clinical. But the, the pieces are in place there. And what they've done is really, really impressive from a uh, recruitment perspective because they've brought in players that no one really knows and they've turned them into decent Premier League footballers. And um, the only issue with finding value next season is that the bookies are already cottoned on to how good Brighton are. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't be surprised if Brighton are around 11 to 10 for a top 10 finish next season or something along those lines. And everyone yeah. would be like, whoa, that's way too short. That's way too short. But it's probably about right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would just wait for the prices and, and more importantly, wait to see if they keep hold of players and keep hold of Potter. Very good. But, um, but yeah, for this for this game, I mean, West Ham, away from home, they've been very very strong this season, um, but they do concede chances, 1.44 expected goals against the game. Um, and then another good Brighton stat for you, there's a lot of good Brighton stats. Um, you know, they've only won three times in 17 home games this season, but only Manchester City have got a better home process than Brighton. So in terms of chance creation and chance limitation, only Man City have been better than Brighton, which is staggering, really. Um, and, and it shows you that, that Brighton, Again, it's just it's just a converting the chances. I mean, the, the goals they've scored per game at home is at one point zero six. The expected goals at home is one point nine two per game. So they're underscoring by about zero point eight goals per game, which is you know unbelievable, really. But it shows you that the chance creation's there, um, and then defensively, just zero point seven eight expected goals against per game is what they've allowed uh, at the Amex all season long. Um, and then if you're just looking at recent matches, I mean. They were cruise control against Wolves, weren't they, before the sending mm, off? Yeah. Um, and prior to that, dominated Leeds quite quite handily. Um, it, yeah, the, the big question really is just motivation because if they are motivated, I think Brighton will, will beat this West Ham team quite comfortably, mm. uh, maybe one or two nil. Um, but yeah, from a, from a betting perspective, the, the 2.93 available for Brighton to win is enticing me. Um, but for, for a bit of safety, I'm going to take plus a quarter on the Asian handicap, which basically means half your stake goes on the draw, no bets. If it's a draw, you get right. your money back and half your stake goes on Brighton double chance, which means if they avoid defeat, you get half win. So um, that, that's the way I'd be going in this one. I think that West Ham defensively are vulnerable. Um, there's talk that Declan Rice might be fit for this one, which will be a boost, but I still think that Brighton are just too good. like to see that. And also, Jake, it's very rare that I kind of nail my colours to the mast on an actual bet and disclose what I'm going to be putting my money on. But I think the reverse fixture in this, you're going to laugh at this, ended two all back in December. Great game. It was a superb game. Loved watching that. I remember it well, actually. And um, for a repeat scoreline of that, it's out at 14s. So that's where I'm sticking my money. You know, I'm not saying that that's particularly great, but, you know, with leaky defences, but attacking football, um, and goals, 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 or the potential for goals, goals, goals. That's where I'm going. Anyway, <laughs> perhaps stick with Jake's. 
And uh, <laughs> so there we go. We boxed off Saturday and there's uh, a couple of games on Sunday that we're going to go through now uh, to preview before we sort of go on any of the business. And the first one is five past two. Tottenham against Wolves. Um, Tottenham are at 1.47-ish. Wolves are out at way over six and a half. And it draws 4.4. Info goal analyst. Wolves or draw? Uh, the reverse fixture ended one all, of course. Over two and a half goals since Ryan Mason has come in. Um, over two and a half goals in this game is 1.884. So, you know, I'm not sure where the value lies here, Jake. How damaging was Spurs' defeat to Leeds as well last week? Will it be a case of bounce back ability from Spurs? Will it be a occasion of them, them, you know, finishing the season with a bit of a whimper? Go on, give us some direction, Jake. Yeah, I think it's very much going to be the latter. Um, not been impressed with Spurs all season long, um, even less so since Ryan Mason took charge. I mean, yeah, he won two games um, out of four, but one of those was a unflattering home win against Southampton with a late penalty. And the other was against Sheffield United, who were just handing out wins and three points uh, pretty much every week at the moment. In between that, they were woeful against Man City in the cup final, barely laid a glove on them. Um, and similar to um, against Leeds last weekend, they were absolutely atrocious. It was just a shocking performance, really. Um, you know, you look at the lineup and you've got Deli Ali, Harry Kane, Hyun Min Son, and Gareth Bale as your front four. And all you can manage against Leeds is 0.97 expected goals. I mean, that is just pathetic. Um, <laughs> you tell them, Jake. Uh, listen, look, anyone who's listened to this podcast for the last two years knows that um, you know Tottenham and Arsenal in particular have been two massive letdowns week in, week out. The data has been has found them out and that is ultimately why they are not in the top four and, and they're not going to be in the top four for next season. So yeah, I'm not impressed with what Ryan Mason's done really. Uh, defensively, they still look vulnerable. Um, yeah, and then you know, looking at Wolves, can Wolves go there and get a result? won three of the last five matches um, but all five of those games have come against teams in the bottom six so uh, yeah the, the only thing that, that is a big positive for Wolves heading to Spurs is that they are looking much more solid at the back in recent weeks mm. they went through a spell where they looked a little bit vulnerable yeah over, over the last five matches they've conceded just one expected goal against per game which is much more like it um, and obviously if Spurs play a very attack minded team again Wolves will be licking their lips on the counter-attack with the likes yeah, of course. Traore and Pedro Neto. Um, running, running against Serge Aurier and, and, and Reguillon, who I thought started the season well, but he's turned into a calamity in recent weeks. He's Reguillon, properly so. collapsed, hasn't he? You're right, yeah. Gone down rather than up, hasn't he? I, I think everyone expected him to improve, and he's actually got worse. Uh, that's quite a decent sample pool, though, five matches, isn't it? It's not like we're talking a couple of matches where they've sort of shut up shop. That's a decent... So, so they have improved at the back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the, the, you know, I'm obviously wanting to get Wolves on side. There's again an element of that need being priced into this, mm. this market with the fact that, um, you know, Spurs, they have still got an outside chance, well, not top four, but they've got a chance of finishing the top six, which is obviously going to be, it has to be their minimum car target. Three games left. Um, you know, I doubt they're going to catch Liverpool with Liverpool's running, but West Ham, they'll be looking at West Ham and, you know, the Hammers play on right on Saturday night. It could be a case of if Spurs win this, then they jump above West Ham if, if you know, all goes to plan and Brighton do the business. So, um, yeah, it's a big game. Wolves obviously not playing for anything whatsoever, but the Wolves aren't a team to just switch off. They're, yeah. they're, you know, Nuno likes to keep his team on the toes. He likes to keep things um, ticking over. 
I don't think they'll roll over. Um, and I think that they'll, you know, they'll try and make a little statement of their own for next season because let's not forget this Wolves team finished seventh in back to back Premier League seasons. Um, and were, you know, last season, they were, I think maybe in goal difference or a couple of points uh, from the top six. So yeah. they're, you know, they're, they're among the, uh, the league's best when they've got a fully fit complement. Obviously, Raul Jimenez has been a massive, massive loss to them this season. He's, mm. for my book, one of the best strikers in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely wanting to get Wolves on side. I mean, the price about Spurs to win this is just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you're looking at around 1.55. Um, the Infocom model makes Spurs closer to 11 to 10. So 2.1. You've seen a massive, massive difference there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, getting Wolves on side in some capacity is the way I'm going to go. Um, before looking at the odds, I'd have been happy to take Wolves double chance, which is uh, 2.65. But you can get Wolves plus one on the Asian handicap at 1.96, which means that if Wolves lose by exactly one goal, you get your money back. If they lose by two or more, you lose your money. Um, if it's a draw, you get a nice winner. If it's a you know Wolves win, you get a nice winner. Uh, I just think that price is too good to turn down for a, a one goal head start. And it's a you know even if they do lose Wolves, which there is a possibility, it's very rare that they lose by more than one goal anyway because they're so competitive and, and so difficult to beat. So yeah, that that'd be where I'm going that one. And um, yeah, the goal line. Any game with Wolves, I'm always looking at the unders. So pleasantly surprised to see that around even money. Um, and yeah, again, that that price just looks too good to turn down. I mean, I just looking to see. Yeah, I was, I was looking to see, getting greedy and see if under three goals was any any decent price. But um, yeah, uh, for me, the, the best bet in this one is, is Wolves plus one. Um, yeah, not liking Spurs at all. They obviously have the firepower to cause some serious damage, but um, yeah, it's just so unbalanced and uh, and there's no sort of plan. It doesn't look like anyone knows knows what they're doing when they're out on the pitch. And I think that stems from having a rookie manager that, that's never managed before, really. Well, there you go. It'll be interesting to see that, how that one pans out. But you're quite strong there on getting Wolves on side. Like it. So we've got one more of our featured games, if you like, on this Premier League Insights Game Week 36 podcast to go through. And that one is West Brom, already relegated West Brom, hosting Liverpool, who did a job on Manchester United in midweek. Um, and did more than a job, actually. They looked pretty good. I'm sure Jake will have some stats on that about how improved they were against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. But West Brom now officially relegated, like I say, back to the Championship. Liverpool are playing catch-up in that push for a Champions League position, of course. We've got Leicester and Chelsea in FA Cup action. I know it's all, it goes back to that kind of old adage, you'd rather have the points on the board than the game in hand. But obviously they're going to fall just behind, aren't they, in terms of games played and obviously potential to pick up points because they're playing each other, Leicester and Chelsea. I mean, they're not falling behind in the table, but you know what I mean, in terms of actually chalking those points up. So, Liverpool will probably see this as a bit of a chance to pile some pressure on. Um, the analyst verdict on the info goal model is very much both teams to score. And I can kind of see why. Um, Liverpool, shocking at the back all season. West Brom have actually scored and scored early quite a lot of the time as well. Certainly in the last few weeks when they were trying to get themselves out of the mire in the relegation fight. Is there any more to it than that, Jake? How come that that is such a standout pick? Yeah, it's mainly down to Liverpool's defence more than anything, mm. um, if I'm honest. Obviously, West Brom, we've seen shoots of life from them in attack. They have scored more frequently, scored in five of the last six matches, which include games against Chelsea, Leicester and Arsenal. 
Um, so yeah, but yeah, they, again, you know, we've, we've got a very much a, a need price in this one with Liverpool being exceptionally short to go to, to the Hawthorns and win around 1.25. I can't see anything other than a Liverpool win. They know that three wins guarantees them a top four finish. As you said, Chelsea and Leicester play each other, so someone's got to drop points somewhere along the line. Um, and, you know, it could well come down to goal difference, but Liverpool have done, done that goal difference the world of good with that win over Manchester United, a 4-2 victory. Uh, they're now plus 20, Chelsea are plus 22, and Leicester are plus 21. So goal difference is very tight between the two. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's going to be a really entertaining finish for the season. Similar to what we had last season, if you remember, actually, with the top four when Leicester, United and Chelsea were all involved. Went down to the final day. Um, and Leicester actually played Man United on the final day. And now Leicester are playing Chelsea the game before the final day in what's basically a um, must-not-lose territory for them. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll assess that one on Monday. But yeah, yeah, it's, it is... Every game for Liverpool now is must-win. Uh, I won't be surprised if they do sneak into the top four. Um, and yeah, if they do, it's going to be based on their away form, not their home form, because you know the, the problems and trials and tribulations at Anfield are well documented. But what seems to have gone under the radar is the fact that away from home they've been exceptional, um, especially recently. They've only lost three times on the road this season, which is um, you know really impressive. Only only Leicester United and City have lost fewer matches than Liverpool away from home. Um, and in terms of expected goal process away from home, only Chelsea and Manchester City have been better. We've averaged 2.06 expected goals for per game and 1.36 expected goals against per game uh, on the road. So creating a ton of chances, but they are looking very vulnerable. That 1.36 is much higher than what we saw last season when they won the title. Um, and West Brom, yeah, we, you know, we've, we've said that they, they're creating more chances regularly. They actually won the XG battle at Arsenal last week, mm. which was um, really interesting. Racked up over, over 1.9 expected goals in that, but they're returning to the Hawthorns and, and they've not been very good there. Uh, I think it's fair to say three wins from 17 created just over one expected goal per game, but defensively they've been woeful conceded nearly two expected goals against per game. So I think it could be quite a high score in Liverpool win. Um, but I think West Brom will get on the score sheet. So that, you know, both teams to score around 1.9 really just stand out. And I think it's landed in quite a few of Liverpool's uh, recent matches as well. Yeah. Uh, especially on the road. So yeah, quite a like that one. Liverpool haven't they're not as free flowing and free scoring as you might imagine actually despite that apart from that Manchester United defeat before that the only time they'd scored three goals or more was when they beat Arsenal and we talked about that didn't we that Arsenal were just tepid like they didn't turn up that day at all um, so but they are 2.04 to score over two and a half goals are Liverpool probably stay away from that both teams to score sounds good to me Jake thank you very much for that um, any, any of the notables this weekend? Um, any of the picks of the weekend from Info Goal? Um, just to run through the fixtures whilst you have a little gander, Jake. Burnley against Leeds on Saturday. We've also got Fulham taking a trip to St Mary's to play against Southampton. Sunday sees Palace against Villa and Everton at home at Goodison Park against the bottom of the table shambolic Sheffield United so um, anyway, said like a true fan yeah yeah absolutely yeah I don't think it's any secret on here buddy so anything that stands out for you on Info Goals Picks of the Weekend yeah there's a couple um, mainly in the win market to be honest I think, I think Southampton's price uh, against Fulham looks a little bit too big um, 
looking around two 2.1 for a Southampton win. Wow. Um, obviously beat Crystal Palace in midweek. Danny Ing's return, absolute, you know, scored two cracking goals, really, proper poacher goals. Um, and at home at St. Mary's, their XG process has been very strong all season long. Um, 1.25 expected goals for 1.26 again. So they've been very strong at home compared to away from home. Uh, and the host in Fulham, who obviously were relegated on Monday night, as we sort of expected, we were on Burnley in that game. Um, and they were just miserable, really, Fulham. They, they, they had a lot of the football, but just never looked like creating any decent chances. And that's been the story of their season. I mean, only Sheffield United have created fewer non-penalty big chances than Fulham this season. Um, United have created 19, Fulham 21. So, it, you know, by the end of the season, Fulham might be at the bottom of that table. But that means it's basically a case of quantity over quality when Fulham uh, attack. They're taking a lot of pot shots, a lot of low probability shots and not really carving out any big opportunities. So, yeah, I think Southampton to win looks um, a pretty decent price at around 2.1. I also like the look of Aston Villa at Crystal Palace. Um, Palace lost for the fourth time in five in midweek. Uh, they've won just two of ten. Both of those two wins came against West Brom and Sheffield United. So they've not beaten anybody in the last ten matches other than the bottom, current bottom two. Uh, again, I'm using your team as a, as a barometer. Um, only Sheffield Thanks. United have been worse in attack than Crystal Palace this season, um, with the Eagles averaging just under one expected goal per game uh, and even more disappointingly 0.87 expected goals for per game at Selhurst Park which is yeah tragic really um if you're <laughs> a, if you're a crystal palace fan of course yeah well yeah and you know that, still, that's I mean, debate. that's shocking deb- though isn't it that's really it is, bad yeah and and this is the debate now uh, for palace fans in particular that they want Roy Hodgson to stay on because mm. yeah he's he's you know constantly keeps them up but the football is dire um, and it doesn't look like there's, there's, you know, they've hit the ceiling effectively with, with Roy Hodgson. They need someone to take them to the next level, but they tried to do that last time. And, mm. you know, Frank De Boer, was it four games that he lasted? Yeah. Maybe three games. So J- um, Jose likes to remind him of that as others need to call him the worst manager in Premier League. History. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know the irony for that is though, based on expected goals, they actually deserve to win all three. Really? You joke. Yeah. So if they'd have persisted with him, then, the results would have probably turned for the for the better. But hey ho, I mean he's managing Holland now, so it doesn't matter. He's going to the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back on track. Aston Villa. Um yeah, yeah they've won they've won one of six. They're not in great form, but they've faced um Everton twice in that time, Liverpool, United and City. So they've had a tough picture schedule. Jack Grealish was back on Thursday. Um and with him in the team we've spoken about quite a lot. Villa were the fourth best attacking team in the league with Grealish in the side. Um, averaging around 1.84 expected goals for per game. So for me, looking at, I know it's, it's pretty much a dead rubber, but um, we saw Crystal Palace throw the towel in dramatically last season. Um, was it seven defeats and one draw from the last eight matches? Uh, it looks as though they're going down the same route, really. And, uh, and Villa to get a win, 2.33, looks a little bit on the big side to me. So I'll be going to Villa um, in that one. Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it from me in this Everton Blades is not exactly a, an enticing game, is it? No, and the odds all will be, you know, cleverly weighted and stuff to put you off anything, really, won't they? Unless there's yeah. a surprise. But I'm telling you now, there ain't going to be a surprise in that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jake, thanks so much, mate. And uh, game week 36 on this podcast is complete. The season is drawing to a close, an exciting close. We'll have Champions League preview podcasts, of course, for the last couple of game weeks as well. 
Remember, you can find more about InfoGoals model as well. We talk about it every week on the podcast. It basically is the basis for everything that Jake says, forms a lot of our uh, opinions and insights on the Insights Pod and also Pinnacle.com for all your odds at Pinnacle on Twitter and Pinnacle.betting on Instagram. Loads of little snippets and stuff on there as well. Remember to gamble responsibly and the odds that we've been giving out are always subject to change from the time of recording. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.